card as well, and we will follow up with you accordingly. Um, you can also reach us online through our member portal, and or through our online portal, excuse me, and communicate that way and let us know what's going on. We would love to be in prayer for you. Uh, if you are joining us online and you have little ones, we have sent out today's Hope for Kids lesson. Uh, they will be building a shield of faith today, and uh, that's going to be fun, I'm sure, but it also follows along with um, Isaiah chapter 59 and some content they will be developing there about God's faithfulness. So <coughs> encourage you to take advantage of that. Also, um, several things going on around here. One, we have a Tuesday night Bible study via Zoom, Tuesdays at 7, and you are encouraged to, to join us there, same bat station, same bat time every week. Um, but we are following along with the content through the Isaiah Sermon Series. So if you want to dig a little bit deeper, uh, come on there with us, and we will try to help you do that. Um, youth group, <coughs> and is not meeting tonight, uh, spend time with your mother. You got that? That's an order, young man. And, and she needs to leave that time feeling like you love her and appreciate her and honor her. Exodus 20:12 honor thy father and mother. Yeah. And she may you the best way to honor her may to be just leave her alone. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, did I get a no back there? No. Hugs. Yes. Real real time, real space. All right. Um we we are we have a Discover Hope small group going. We're going to skip today so you can spend time with the mothers in your life. And we will regroup next week for the next installment there. We have Pastor Miguel coming in June. That'll be June the 12th. Then we will have our summer blueprint mission trip, youth mission trip that following week. And we'll pray for the kids that Sunday, June 12th. And then they will spend the week serving through Blueprint Ministries. You're encouraged to uh, get on the Blueprint website and sign up to like cook dinner at their facility one night. Um, we're still needing people to sign up for the trip. We've got space. At least one. I'm kidding. Maybe more. Yeah, sign up. We'd love to have you join us. Um, we'll take all ages from sixth grade and above. Uh, what else? <coughs> this week on the Tuesday night, oh, there it is. I was looking all over for the post-it note. It's right here in front of me. Like, I'm glad it wasn't a snake because I would be bit. Um, so this week's Tuesday night Bible study is going to be looking at uh, Handel's Messiah and specifically the Hallelujah Chorus and some of the history behind that, some of the the ways in which the, the music uh, follows along with the lyrics and the content that is being developed in that oratorio. So it should be an interesting and, and fun way to engage uh, God's Word this week. So I encourage you to zoom in Tuesday night for that. And whose, whose version of the Hallelujah Chorus do we get? Some 
some tabernacle out of Utah, but they do a really good job. We're using it for a reason. Yeah, they, they do a good job. So um, we're going to appreciate uh, all kinds of God's creation, uh, bearing his image, whatever. I'm just going to keep going. All right. So encourage you to zoom in Tuesday night for that. What else? Should we get all the important people together? Okay. I'm tired, I'm tired with all you boring people. I want all the important and exciting people to come down to the front at this time. If you are in fifth grade or younger, I invite you, singular, down for our children's chat today. Esther, how you doing? Good. <laughs> so have you ever heard of King David? Okay. So King David was, do you know what he did when he was a boy, what his job was? What do you call someone who takes care of sheep? A shepherd, right? And so King David was a shepherd. He took care of his dad's sheep, and his brothers had gone off to war, to a battle, and his dad told him to take them a lunchbox, okay? So David takes lunch to his brothers, and his old, one of his older brothers is like, what are you doing here, kid? You don't belong here. Get out of here. You're just trying to see what's going on. You're trying to see the battle. You're trying to get you know, too close. I, w I don't want you here. And tried to make him go home. <coughs> David saw what was going on. Do you remember who David saw taunting God's people on the other side of the battle? A really big guy. Goliath. Very good. So David saw Goliath, and he heard Goliath, like, saying bad things about God's people. <coughs> Excuse me. And so David said, I'll, I'm going to get him. I'm not going to let him talk that way about my God. Okay? So <coughs> then David went to, they took David to King Saul, and King Saul said, well, if you're going to take on Goliath, you're going to need my armor. And David was a boy, and so he put on this man's armor. How do you think he felt? like it was too heavy. Do you remember this story? Okay, so what did he do with the armor before he went into battle? He took it off, and he got a sling with a five rocks that he picked up out of a river, right? Or a dry creek bed, yeah. So <coughs> he went to meet Goliath with no armor, right? So there's a passage here in Isaiah that I want to read to you. And it says this, got to find it, got to find it. Here we go. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This is talking about the Messiah about God, who goes into battle, the battle between good and evil, for us. So we, we can go in without armor, we can go in with armor, but who went before us with the full armor of God? Jesus. Very good. So today in Hope for Kids, you're going to make a shield of faith. You already know that? <laughs> you what? 
you helped make the example for all the other kids. So, oh, so you've already made a shield of faith. You got started. Okay. All right. Very good. So you know what's coming. All right. So <coughs> when, when God tells us in the Bible that we are to put on the full armor of God, who do we know who has already put on the full armor of God? Jesus, right? And he goes before us to take care of us, to protect us in the battle between good and evil. He is our Messiah, our Savior, the one who loves us, who saves us, who forgives us, who goes before us to make things right. And so God says, right after he says that he puts on all that armor, he says, wrong page. He says, a redeemer will come to Zion, that's Jesus, our redeemer, and this is my covenant with them. This is God's promise to you. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of your ma- the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth forevermore. So God's love that he has placed in your heart, how long does that last? Forever. Can, you, can I pray for you? Father God, thank you for Esther, thank you for all of our children, and for the truth that the word that you place within them, the spirit that you have placed within them, never goes away, that your love defines who they are and how they live, and that they are secure in your love now and forever. I pray your blessing over her as she learns more of your word and hope for kids today. Fill her with your Holy Spirit and lead lead her into a deeper understanding of your love for her through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Good job. And a high five for dad. All right. So, if you have a pen, I'm going to have you write down a few names before we pray. And I want you to uh, pray for these young men throughout the week ahead. These are um, four, well, there's three airmen that are starting a new training program this week who've been coming to Hope. Um, One is named Luke. There he is. And then uh, Jordan and Nate, is that correct? Or the other two? Lawson and... Nate. Okay, Jordan is not in the same, but he still needs prayer. Okay, so we're going to pray for Luke, Lawson, and Nate as they begin their training this week. Did I get that right? Okay, and then we're also going to pray for Jordan as he, uh, as God figures out his will in Jordan's life and his mil- in relation to his military career. So when I pray later for our troops in this prayer, those are the four young men I'm praying for and encourage you throughout this week. Uh, They start a very intensive program this week. I met with them um, Friday night, I think it was, and uh, just like 
I, I can't articulate how significant this is in their lives. And so we're going to pray for them uh, today and throughout the weeks ahead as they go through this course of training uh, here in San Antonio. So I'm just going to begin our, our prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word. And I'm going to include those young men in that prayer while we, when we get to that point. So please join me. God, our loving Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit this morning. And as we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and speak to us those things that we need to know and hear and put into action in our lives as a result of meeting you through your word here today. Father, we pray that your word would be alive in our hearts. And as we prepare to engage you through your word, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our, our sins and our disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are in need of your healing mercies, and we pray your healing over them and within them. We lift to you especially this week uh, Yolanda Clifton and her levels of pain post-op. We just pray your healing over her body. Um, we lift up uh, Dean Morris, Dean Johnson, Joshua Johnson, and others that we know and love who are in need of your continued healing. We pray you would pour that out upon your people. We give you thanks this morning, God, for our mothers, for the the grace and truth that you have ministered to our hearts and our lives through them. We pray your blessing and peace over them. We lift before you this nation and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those who are separated from their families as a result of their service. We pray you would be close to those who are away and those who are at home. We lift up those who've returned home changed as a result of their military service, and we pray your healing mercies over them. We lift up um, the young men who've been coming to hope. Uh, we lift up Nate and Luke and Lawson as they begin uh, a new chapter in their military careers and some intensive training. And we just pray that you would go before them, that your strength would, would well up within them, and that your spirit would carry them through this process. We also um, lift up uh, Jordan as he um, goes through a time of transition and just pray your, your mercy and, and peace and your will over his life. We pray that you would be with us now as we open your word open our hearts, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are in a series of messages through the book of Isaiah. We're calling the series Messiah Song. And we are looking at uh, the three major themes that Isaiah weaves throughout this uh, incredible body of literature that bears his name. And he, he has really three movements in the, in the literary work. One is an epic 
articulation of the separation that our sin brings between ourselves and our creator and ourselves and each other. And Isaiah looks at the realities of our sin and articulates very powerfully the consequences of our sin. And this is done specifically in the historical context of predicting that if God's people continue to ignore God's word, that their world will fall apart. And Isaiah predicts the, the downfall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the disappearance of Jewish life and culture uh, in that part of the world. And he is correct. God's people did not listen. They continued to disrespect God's word, and God allowed the course of history to run its way, and everything Isaiah predicted came true. Fortunately, Isaiah saw beyond the devastation, and he saw a future, a, a place where God would restore and rebuild and renew the human heart, where he would bring in, and this is his second big theme, that he would bring in this theme of salvation through the Messiah, that he would bring a Messiah into the heart of God's people who would be consecrated, in fact, at the very temple that Isaiah predicted would be destroyed by a foreign army. And so to predict both the destruction of a temple and the future consecration of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at that temple was really a bold and impossible um, type of prophecy. Isaiah could only have done this through the inspiration of God, through the, the divine capacity to, to know the future. And Isaiah saw what God wanted him to see, and he, he proclaimed it. He proclaimed that in the wake of devastation, a rebuilding would occur. And the powerful thing about these truths of, of separation and salvation is that they're both true on this massive level, of, of this historical level, and they're very similarly true on a personal level. The, the devastation that my own sin brings about in my life is something that God wants to forgive and heal and, and engage in a restoration and rebuilding process in my own heart and in the lives around me. And so we're looking at these themes, and the third theme that Isaiah takes up is this idea of sanctuary, that our sin causes separation, our Savior brings, sal or our Messiah brings about salvation from our, from our sin, and that God promises for his people an eternal rest, an eternal peace, something that, that transcends this life. And so we're going to see all three of those themes. We're looking in the two chapters of 58 and 59 this morning. And I'm going to read a, uh, the largest excerpt that I will read to you is out of chapter 58. And then I'm going to read um, actually two passages that are back-to-back -back in chapter 59. I only had room to print one of them in your insert, but I'm going to read both of them when we get there. Um, so, let's go. From Isaiah chapter 58, I'm going to begin in verse 3, and <coughs> I'm just going to set the tone. This is one of the things that Isaiah takes up in his work, and he's talking to... Um, a, a group of people who are going through 
the religious motions. People who are observing their religious obligations, but their hearts are far away from God. And Isaiah is going to ask a question in the course of this dialogue that we've all asked from time to time. It goes sort of like this, God, where are you? Why aren't you listening? What's the matter? What, what, what have I done? All right. And in this particular passage, Isaiah is speaking to a group of people who are going through the motions, but their hearts are far away. And that may not refle- reflect where you are, but that's where the people are that Isaiah is speaking to. So he's going to take up specifically the question of their fasting. And, and when you hear the word the, uh, a day, um, I want you to read it this way. Just a day. That's the implication of this language. So you're going you're gonna to be a complete uh, poo-poo head for six days out of the week. And then one day, you're going to be all spiritual. And you're going to be like, you know, all great and holy and uh, whatever. And then the next day, you're going to go back to your previous state. So just a day? That's all you want to give me is a day? So that's the implication of the language you're about to hear. All right. Isaiah chapter 58, beginning in verse 3. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. You take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. You pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then Shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday? And the Lord will guide you continually 
and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And then I want to jump to Isaiah chapter 59. I'd like to read verses 20 and 21. Um, you may not have, you, you, you won't have 20 in front of you, but I just want you to hear these words that lead into verse 21. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. You can see all three of Isaiah's themes represented in these two chapters. And you can see all three of his themes represented in just about any two or three chapters uh, strung together throughout this work. Um, the prophet of God had a primary voice, and it was this. Turn around. Turn around from going your own way. Turn around from doing what you think is right. Turn around from serving your own interests. Turn around from, from satisfying your own desires. Turn around. Because in the opposite direction from where you were headed, there is light, there is grace, there is truth, there is love, there is connection that is eternal. And as long as you got your head buried in yourself, you will never see it. And so the prophet's unending refrain is turn around. All of us need to hear this every single day. I, I don't know about you. I can be very self-interested, very narrowly focused on what I want. And God says, turn around. The fancy Bible word for that is repent. And so we come to a passage in Isaiah where he brings forward this central theme of repentance in a way that everyone can relate to. That, you know, we, we go through our weeks and we are completely self-interested and then we get to our day where we think about God, where we stop and look up and maybe we feel bad about things we've done or not done and we show God some level of remorse 
and then the next day is Monday, and the cycle starts all over again. And so the first thing that God wants us to do through these words in Isaiah is to move past remorse, to get off our high horse and get down onto the earth upon which we are supposed to be living and come to terms with ourselves. So, why would God not be accepting of our remorse? I mean, I feel bad for how awful I've been. Um, I told him I'm sorry. So I'll just ask you, someone in your life, at work, at home, at school, or somewhere in between, does something that hurts you, and they say they're sorry. You are probably, as a, as a good Christian, going to extend some degree of forgiveness and grace to that person until they do it again and again and again and again. And you are eventually going to run out of grace and forgiveness and kindness and you're going to either snap at them or cut them off or not deal with them or be rude to them or you you pick i don't know what your particular um, pattern is i know i know some of mine um and so god is looking at us and just saying can you please please just climb down out off your high horse come back down to earth because I like to deal with people whose feet are on the ground. And if you can do that, I think we can make some progress together. But your first step, once you're off, is to get past just remorse. Feeling bad for what you've done is a good start, but it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't change anything. And so... To move past remorse, we need to remember what verse 3 is telling us. We can't fool God. We can't be really, really sorry for what we've done and have God, oh, okay. Okay. What God is looking for is not our feeling bad. It's not our sorrow. It's not our remorse. What he's looking for is us to get real about what's on the inside. God, I have a problem that I cannot solve. I am self-interested, selfish. I'm all about me. And when I don't get my way, I will make other people feel that I did not get my way. And... God says if we can if we can just step down to earth turn around and acknowledge that we have a problem not that we're just sorry but that we have a problem in the, at the core of who we are 
He says, I, c- I can work with this. Now you're where I can work with you. Once we decide to move past our remorse, God wants us to demonstrate repentance. This is true in every relationship, human and divine, that we're not just sorry for what we've done. We actually turn, we change direction, and we take steps toward making things right, towards healing, towards renewal, towards others. We make heart-level changes that are consistent with the gospel. Now we just go back to verses 6 and 7 of chapter 58. Is not this the fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? God wants us to take practical steps towards reconciliation, renewal, rebuilding, towards repentance. We are to reflect the heart of the Messiah in the way we, we treat and respond to other people. How did Jesus respond to your sin? He went to the cross. He suffered for you. He sacrificed for you. That is the ethic upon which we are to base our responses to others. Now, there is, there is a spiritual side to what I'm saying, and, and there is also a healthy side to what I am saying. I, I'm not saying if someone is degrading you that you ignore it and let them do it again and again and again. If, if they are defiling God's image within you, you cannot stand for that. You have to stand up for who God created you to be. But you also simultaneously are called to forgive, to respond in grace, to, to be like the Messiah in the way you react. And so the irony here is, you know, we're talking about hypocrisy and the guy talking to you is like the worst at responding to his wife like he, like the Messiah would respond to his wife, right? So here's what I'm saying. My nature is combative. If you, if, if you don't cross me, we will get along fine. Right? I can be a lot of fun to hang around. Uh, we can have conversations about all kinds of cool stuff. But if I'm hurt, I'm going to get ugly. Does that make sense? I'm going to um, respond combatively in most cases. What God wants from me is something completely different. He wants me to 
respond to those situations in ways that are de-escalating, that are loving, that are understanding, and that move the situation towards reconciliation and peace. He wants me to reflect the heart of the Messiah in the way that I respond. I'm not so great at that. And I'm just letting you know this stuff is easier to preach than it is to practice. So here we are in this call to get off our high horse, to move past remorse, to demonstrate repentance by making heart-level changes and making a practical difference in the lives of the people around us. Practical difference, sharing our bread with the hungry. And take that as a metaphor, please, like to give what nourishes you to someone around you to be a source of of nourishment and growth and peace and health and goodness to the people around you. And when you don't, go back to point A. (laughs) Get off your high horse, get past the remorse, and get back towards a demonstrated repentance. God wants us both feet on the ground, reoriented toward his grace, and he wants us to get on his program, to shine his light in the hearts of the people around us. He wants us to be agents of healing who do his will, who do what's right, who enjoy his glory. Look at verses 8 through 10. Then, once your feet are on the ground and you have turned around and and left your selfishness and you are walking in a demonstrated way towards grace, then your light shall break forth like the dawn Your healing shall spring up speedily. So when we can do this, when we can get over ourselves and and start moving in concert with God and his grace, we become a source of light and healing to the people around us. This is not easy to do. It is imperative that we move in this direction. And so God reminds us here that we are to be the people who shine his light, who pour out healing, who do what is right, who enjoy his glory, a people who work against injustice in harmony with God's will, with his word, with his love, his blessing. And we are to pour ourselves out for others, not for ourselves. To, I think he actually uses that phrase. Yes, verse 10. Pour yourself out 
for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. We are to be a people who move away from our self-interest and move towards God's grace in ways that are refreshing to people around us, that give them light and healing and grace. We are to work against injustice, to pour ourselves out, to be people who refresh the people around us, to refresh the hearts, the lives of God's people. I have a selfishness problem. God has the, the anecdote, no, antidote. An anecdote is a story. He has both. He has both, actually. He's got both. <coughs> the antidote to my selfishness is service. W- when I do things for others, it, it takes me out of that groove that I get into where my biggest interest is me. And God says, come over here and do something for someone else. This is one of the things I I love about uh, our blueprint trip. Our, Our kids do this every summer, and I don't know how to explain it. But we get out there, and we do some miserable work in some miserable conditions, and it's great. And it breaks patterns in my own life of my own self-interest. It's healthy. It's good. And it, it's a blessing to others, but it's actually a blessing to me. So here's the irony. If you want to experience some blessing for you, get, a, get away from doing things for you. So... The best self-care is other care. It actually will help you more than anything you could possibly do for yourself. And God understands this, and he calls us to serve sacrificially to reflect the ethic of his Messiah in the way we treat those around us. We are to be people who grow through service and who work toward restoration verse 12 your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundations of many generations you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in this idea that that you are a part of god's plan for restoration for bringing about good in this world. And then in verse in chapter 59 God brings us back to this promise of eternal sanctuary through the Messiah. That no matter how badly I blow it and fail to exhibit the grace of the Messiah towards others that God says to me and to you as for me This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you. My words that I have put in your mouth. 
shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. But God's promise never fades, never fails, it never stops. We are to be a people who stand on his promise. His promise is his covenant. It's it's a word that literally means to cut. You have been cut into the heart of God. You belong there. He belongs in your heart. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, Luke, quote Joshua 1.9 for me, please. Just do it badly. I don't care. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Dang. This is your God. This is who he is. He is faithful, he is true, he is loving, he is steadfast, he has cut you in to his heart, and he will hold you there forever. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we acknowledge our need to come down off of our high horses, to get over ourselves, and to listen to your word, to be a people who move past our remorse and into demonstrated repentance. We desire God to get on the same page with you, to reflect the nature of the Messiah through the way we live. Lord, Help each one of us to regain our understanding of your love for us through Jesus Christ so that we may express that very love to those around us. That we might be more patient, that we might be more kind, that we might be less focused on ourselves and more focused on you and those around us May we be people who serve others, who shine your light, who show your love, and who stand eternally on the promise that you have made to us through your son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross. In that strength, in that truth, in that power, in that name, we pray. Amen.